Welcome to the Platform Podcast, where we talk to coaches, athletes, experts, and real people to learn about their approaches to training, nutrition, mindset, and much more. I am your host, Jordan Kundi Wright, founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, and I'm on a mission to help others build sustainable, healthy lifestyles. Before we jump into the episode, I want to remind you, we are eight weeks out for the second annual Twin Cities Kettlebell Open on October 22nd, hosted by our friends at the Athlete Lab in Little Canada, Minnesota. And just like we did last year, we will include an option for video submissions for participants who are unable to make the trip in person. You'll be eligible for all of the same prizes as our in-person competitors. Just go to our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com for details. This week, I welcome in Chris Guile. He is the founder of the Kettlebell Sport Hangout. He is a kettlebell athlete and a kettlebell coach. And this chat is pretty much wall-to-wall kettlebells. So you get about you know, about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour of just kettlebell chat between uh, two guys nerding out on kettlebells, having a few laughs, uh, talking a lot about technique, uh, different approaches to coaching, how you uh, ask different questions and assess different athletes. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I could talk to Chris for, for hours because you know he's he's my people nerding out on kettlebell sport so i really hope that you find the episode useful and if you do please do us a favor and give us a five-star rating and review on google podcasts spotify apple podcasts wherever you get this podcast and of course share it with a friend and support our sponsors by using the affiliate links you will find in the episode notes So without further ado, let's step onto the platform with Chris Guile. All right. Welcome into this week's episode of the Platform Podcast. I am very happy to welcome my guests from all the way across the pond. We have Chris Guile from the Kettlebell Sport Hangout. He is a pretty high-level uh, lifter as well as a kettlebell coach, the founder of the Kettlebell Sport Hangout. Uh, anything else that you that you want to throw out there, Chris? Uh, no, that's probably enough for now. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I really, I really appreciate it. Um, where, where are you at physically right now? Uh, I'm in the gym right now. This is the gym. Where is the gym physically at? So the gym is physically in Harrogate, in North Yorkshire. In North Yorkshire. Okay. So you're from England. How did that happen? <laughs> well, that's just kind of how it happens. <laughs> Born there, I see. Well, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask the, uh, the typical, the typical, uh, origin story question that I, that I love to get from people because I, I find at least on a state side, nobody gets into this sport on purpose. So how did you discover kettlebell sport and how did you get into it? Like, what was your athletic background coming up and you know, how did you, how did you, uh, finally fall into kettlebell sport training? Oh, cool. So, uh, kind of growing up, I was always into martial arts. So I started off with karate and stuff like that. And I was always competitive. Uh, and then I uh, got into Thai boxing, did that for, for quite a few years. Um, and then when I kind of got tired of getting beaten up, uh, I was looking for something else um, to be competitive in. Tried a few different things running and stuff like that, but I'm not really built for running. So, um, and we, use, we were, I was using kettlebells just for conditioning training and stuff at that point. 
and I thought well, there must be some way of com competing with these things so I had a little look around on the internet and, and uh, found it that way really and then just got into it and and never looked back as I say nice nice so what when uh, when was that chronologically what what year was that if you if you remember uh so my first my very first competition i think was 2013 so uh, like 2012 2013 was when i was uh, getting into it so you're an og at this just like just like i am we have the hairlines to prove it uh yeah yeah that's right <laughs> been been at it for a while but so before before this your idea of fun was either getting punched in the face or punching people in the face i'm not sure what i'm not sure what that says about the psyche of people that end up falling <laughs> into into kettlebell sport uh and so you're you're um largely known as a biathlon uh specialist right um that's that's kind of that's kind of your jam um so why do you hate long cycle uh, that's a very good question uh it's, it's too much like hard work isn't it long cycle it's it's just hard graft um and i've had a few goes at it and i just never really got on with it it's something to do with the swinging swinging the double bells just uh, just upsets me a little bit even even when i'm doing jerk one one clean is enough in 10 minutes <laughs> something something about something about those cleans is uh yeah that is it is very it is very hard you have to move those bells a long way too because you're what how tall how tall we call you the big cat right because because you're because you're a fairly you're a fairly long athlete like how how tall are you uh I'm about six three and a bit okay and it looks like your arms are even longer than than somebody who's six three like you're honestly your your wingspan looks like somebody who's like six five or six six when i see uh, it yeah on, uh, you know was that an advantage for you when you were kickboxing? Did you did you outreach most people of the same height? Uh, it, it can be an advantage, yeah, yeah. It, it did help to start off with. How do you find how do you find it uh, for for kettlebell sport? Um, it can kind of be a double edged sword, is what I always tell my my tall athletes, right? Like if you if you learn how to work the levers well, you have really good leverage, but you also have to move the weights further than than short people, <laughs> you know, people with short short arms and short legs. So so how have you how have you uh, found it for kettlebell sport? How have you found your length both as an advantage and a disadvantage? Uh, well, well, as a as a I get about athlete. I, I try to to be as technical as possible, so I try to use those uh, levers and mechanics as as much to my advantage as possible. Uh, sometimes it can be a bit of a problem, especially in uh, in like sprint relays or when you when you're really going fast. Um, when fixation because, doesn't actually happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially in snatch. When I was doing snatch, the the bell has got a long way to go. You know, you, you get some some. Uh, some less tall people and they can just like throw those bells up and down and, and i can't get anywhere near that kind of pace so it, it has its limitations yeah what what is uh what do you find is kind of like your top rpms that you can hit with with legitimate fixation like what what is kind of your top level rpms that you you feel like you can hit with your with your length on on snatching yeah um, on snatch yeah sorry yeah i would think uh 20 22 maybe 20 okay 20 24 is like it's really borderline whether it's got any uh, fixation or not. Yeah. Uh, and then when you see like guys like Dennis Vasilio doing 26, 27, 28, you're just like, how? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just really, it's really hard to get anywhere near that for me. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. What about uh, what about on jerk? I mean, I think uh, I, frankly, I use I use your technique uh, as one of the examples as far as under squat, um, because yeah. I think I think you have one of the best second dips in the game because because of your because of your long your long levers. Um, 
where did where did that come where did that come from did you did you always focus on on second dip or is it has it just been something that you've acquired over many years um it's well it's definitely a work in progress as everything in kettlebell sport is um and what i find more and more is that that uh, it's a lot easier to get under the bells than it is to drive the bells up so uh, you know especially 24s and 32s if you want to get them up above your head, like especially for me with long arms, if I'm trying to if I'm trying to get the momentum to really drive those bells up, that, that's a lot of effort to get those bells moving. Whereas if I can just get them get them weightless for a split second, uh, and then use almost use my height in the opposite way to drop right underneath, then uh, that that makes it a lot easier for me. Yeah, um, and and I've been progressing that quite well, and and you know I can do that pretty. You know, it's all about the stability in that second bit. You know, get under them strong, fast, get down fast, uh, and then stand up easy. So yeah, that's that's how I do the jerk. Really. Get, getting out, getting out of the hole is uh, how you you don't stay down very long though. You're you're pretty good at at getting getting under them and then getting out of the hole is what I, is what I call it. We call that the hole where where I come from. And you're you're yeah, pretty yeah, good yeah. getting out of the hole pretty quick. Uh, yeah, but I but I try and be precise. So so I really work hard on trying to be precise getting fast, fast legs to get underneath them fast. You know, if you're, if you're lazy with your second dip, then, you know, you, you've got all sorts, of, all sorts of problems with your stability. So I try to get under them fast, like really snap that, that second dip uh, position. Um, and then, then you can stand up pretty easily. What are, what are the cues you use with your athletes to, to cue that, you know, men- mentally to cue that getting, getting under aggressively and then standing up easy? Uh, just kind of like sitting, sitting down and sitting back fast. Um, and you know we do a lot of work uh, without the bells. You know, going through the going through the movement patterns without the bells, trying to trying to you know get in from the from the rack position, and, and almost a little bit like in Olympic lifting when you do snatch balance technique, where you you just just trying to just drop. And it's that same thing with the bells. It's like you almost just you know without almost doing any bump at all, just just drop. Um, and if I'm going really fast, um, you know, with lighter bells like sixteens. Then, then basically I'm, I'm not doing any any bump at all. I'm just literally dropping, snapping the arms strong, standing up, and then re-racking. Interesting. I I like I I really like that idea of the uh what like the shadow reps, right? Shat, like shadow boxing, right? Where you're you're doing yeah, it yeah. without 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 the bells. I've actually done that when I've been on vacation with it and forgot, you know, or couldn't bring my bells with me, and people look at me like I'm a fucking lunatic because I'm <laughs> on the on the beach doing you know doing doing shadow reps or or whatever. But you can like even even like just working working through the the motion of like long cycle or snatch, like you can get your heart rate up just just doing just going through. Yeah, exactly. Going and also, I also think um, you know when you when you're doing it without any weight, you can really uh, focus on those movement patterns and you can exaggerate them. So you know, yeah. if I'm doing little weight, I'll try and get lower than what I would get with the bells, so that I'm I know that I'm more than comfortable at, at that depth. So because obviously, once you start lifting the bells, and when you get tired, you know, you start to get tired, and usually what you find is the second dip goes a little bit. People, you can't get underneath the bells fast enough. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's almost the opposite. So as I get tired. I have to get under the bells even faster because my, the bump is, is less. I can't get the bells physically up, so I've got to get faster, faster underneath. 
Is that is that something you've come to just understand about about yourself as a as an athlete? Because this is one of the things as as a coach that I try and assess when I'm when I'm looking at an athlete. Like, what do they do well? And it's like, okay, well, this person maybe isn't as explosive, but they're very smooth. So I so I try and coach them on on things that are that are gonna play to their strengths. Because if you tell them, hey, be more explosive on your first on your first dip, they're like, okay, like how? Like I don't know how to bump these any more explosively than I am. Whereas, but if I'm like, hey, you just lower yourself if you can just work really focus on getting yourself under the bells for some people that 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 really works is that something do you find that you you just found it not worth the squeeze on, on trying to be more explosive or do you find that that's just something that you've learned about yourself as an athlete that you're you're better suited by that uh it, it suits me but i think i think it suits most people i think you know the, the effort that it takes bumping the bells up even if you're a strong athlete you know what that, that, that fades over time. So you get you get more and more tired. And, and as you get tired in a 10-minute set, obviously those bells aren't going up as much. So and that's usually what's what kind of stops the set. You 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 start you get to the point where you can't get the bells up or you can't get them underneath them. But I think that um, you know you can always get you can always go lower, especially you know when you start you, you go into a certain depth. But then you know when I get into trouble, especially on the heavy bells of 32s, I can always drop an extra inch. So rather than thinking I need to spend that effort going up. It's a lot easier to let gravity help me to get to get down. So, and I think for for most people, it's it's like an energy saving saving tactic. Yeah, I I can definitely I can definitely see that. Um, although I I do think there is a mobility requirement to it. Um, there are, yeah. there are some people that that struggle with. Well, there's a there's a couple of things, but I'll disassociate them. There are some people that just struggle with just being able to squat you know, get that squat depth. And that's one thing that, that you have to train. And then I also noticed there are some people that really struggle with being able to disassociate their hips from their lumbar spine, like being able to open their hips up so that they can under squat without having, without having their spine, you know, ramrod, without having their spine ramrod straight. Right. Um, that's yeah. another, that's an, maybe a separate, but correlated, uh, thing. Have you done a, have you done a lot of mobility work over, over your, over your time or did you already kind of have the, the mobility necessary uh, it was under squats i had some i had some useful mobility from from my martial arts background so so i was always pretty mobile um but you know like everything you've got to work on it so and and i did a lot of work with uh, dave keon he, he's great with his mobility stuff he's, he's a good go-to guy for stuff like that um a uh, good friend of the podcast we we love we love us some we love us some david keon on on the platform he's a good lad, he's a good lad yeah <laughs> many, for many reasons he's a good lad uh, so yeah, well, you know, working with guys like him, that, that helps. Um, but it's like, you know, you've only got so much time and effort that you can put into these things. So it's like, well, what are you going to work on? Are you going to work on your strength to get more power to go up? Or are you going to work on your mobility to, so, you, so you can get down and get underneath easier? Um, for me, because I'm lazy, it's a lot easier to work on, on my mobility to get underneath them than it is to work on my strength. To get more. Obviously, you kind of need a little bit of both, but, yeah. but uh, you know, I, I think that... Um, I'm always I'm always looking for those efficiencies, key efficiencies. What? How can I make this easier uh, so I can I can either lift heavier or longer? And and for me, kind of just adding more power is is like the hard way. You know? This this game suits people who who like to work hard but are inherently lazy at their core. 
Yeah, that's, that is me. That is exactly me. That's me too. Like, I like, I, I enjoy the, I enjoy the feeling of having worked hard, but, uh, you know, at the, I was looking for the easiest way out. So I think that's, I think we, I think we've, we've landed on, on the, the perfect ethos for, uh, for kettlebell sport. Like, hardworking, lazy people is really, yeah. is really, really what kettlebell sport is about. All right. So, um, I wanted, I also wanted to ask about kettlebell sport hangout. Like, um, well, for people that aren't aware of what kettlebell sport hangout is, you've got the, you've got the banner behind you. Um, I didn't put on my shirt. I was gonna, I was gonna put on my shirt, uh, kettlebell sport hangout shirt, but it's uh, in my pile of dirty laundry behind me. Uh, so I, I wore it on a, I wore it on a ruck earlier this week and you don't want to put that back on, but, uh, <laughs> tell people, tell people about what kettlebell sport hangout is and, and then how did it come about? Uh, so, so kettlebell sport hangout really, it's, it's multiple things really. It's, we, we, have a, we have a gym where we train and we coach from. Uh, it's, it's basically at the minute, it's myself and Tracy Housen that, that, that run it. Um, and it was kind of, but, but more than that, it's, it's like the Facebook group and the community of, of people. Uh, we originally set up the group just, just really before the whole um, COVID and the pandemic stuff hit, really just, just to kind of share videos of, of our own training with, with guys who, um, you know, at that point, we only had a small number of people, and it was just like, uh, you know, people like Todd Schweb and, and Andreas and Dave Keon, those kind of guys. And we would just post videos up and just chat about our videos and have a look at them and things like that. Um, Here, watch me suffer, friends. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and just, just you know, hand out a few tips and things like that, help each other out. Yeah. Um, and then the kind of um, the whole uh, Facebook group kind of exploded a little bit. Uh, you know, I think we're up at over 5,000 people on there now and, and people, oh, wow. self spins itself now, everyone just, any, anyone to do with anything kettlebell sport chucks things in that, in that group and it's just like an open group for people to, to post videos and chat about stuff or ask questions or you know, anything they want. Um, and we, we kind of set this, the, the gym as it is now, um, kind of just after the, with the whole COVID thing hit, uh, I had a gym that I was teaching Thai boxing from and doing kettlebell sport from as well. And it's like, yeah, this, this isn't going to work anymore because we can't have people in the gym. We need a smaller area. Let's just shift it all, all online, all on, on uh, Zoom and, and everything like that. Um, and that's really how it, how it began. And, and, it, and it's, I quite like that. So even now, when, when you know, we can have people in the gym, we, we still prefer to just do things online. Yeah. It's, that's that's very sim very similar to how my my approach ha had to shift because I was training out of a I was training out of a facility you know just down the road and then <laughs> everything everything went crazy and I kind of kind of had to do the same thing but uh, I don't have five thousand people <laughs> that's uh, that's 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 pretty that's pretty awesome and and you guys don't you guys don't charge anybody anything right like it's it's the I know the the Facebook group is the Facebook group is free but I've I've also heard you just let people pop in and and train uh, at at the gym for for free if they wanna if they wanna come uh, do we, a kind of sport workout we do, we do um, so we have like a core group of people who we train, you know, people who, who we coach in, and obviously we, we charge them and, and we run yeah. classes on a, on a weekly basis, uh, you know, several times a week, about six days a week. Um, but, you know, in the first year of the, of the, um, the COVID situation, we kind of, 
we wanted to reach out to more people. So we started asking uh, like guest lifters to come on and do a set and just open it up to, to anybody that wanted to be on. You know, it's obviously everyone was struggling. No one was able to go to a gym. Everyone was training on their own. It's like, what can we do to, to get everyone together and help us out? So yeah, I, re- I remember some of those. We got like, you got like uh, Ivan Markov and come coming on and be like, oh, we're going to do a nice, we're going to do a nice, easy, you know, double, double long cycle, you know, one minute on 30 seconds off times 30 sets and then you're like everybody's yeah. dying because you know what he thinks what he thinks is easy us mere mortals are like this guy is insane <laughs> yeah we, we did have some tough ones it was uh, it was fun you know we did, we did that for quite a while yeah uh, you, you, you come on and did one for us as well i remember yep. so that, that was good fun and again it's just it, it was need you do long cycle like the asshole that i <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that'll be the most long cycle i've done <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I loved I loved seeing um uh, of the you know you get all these different coaches and high level lifters and things and and it was it's always fun to see like we're all doing the same sport and we're all training for the same thing and yet we like people have different ways of skinning the same cat you know like like just just seeing how how different minds think about how to go about building capacity how they construct a, a challenging workout or a fun workout or what, like and just seeing like different how they cue different movements different techniques that different people have and like I found that to be like a super educational but also just really fun like just like mental mentally stimulating because this you know it can get monotonous because we're doing three you know we're doing three lifts and you know at a certain point like (laughs) (laughs) i'm doing three lifts you're doing two lifts and at a certain point you're you know it, it can get a little monotonous so it's always nice to have like different perspectives different people uh different people coming in and and doing those things so yeah that was that was a lot of fun and 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 really really cool to do are you guys going to do any more of the like special guests uh are you guys gonna bring those back now or it's it's, it's something that we've, we've thought about we haven't we haven't quite done it yet but uh it's definitely something that's that's on the cards at some point so nice that's yeah. that's very cool i i i very much and i very much enjoy it and i didn't know it was i didn't know it was that big like you know uh five thousand people that's 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 fantastic it's a that's a really cool that's a really cool thing and um so how many how many people are are uh athletes that you coach uh out of there that are like full-time athletes that you, that are you know part of your team uh we, we have a team um what do we have now probably probably about 15 20 people that that train with us uh, most of them are, are um the uk um com- competitors that, that train at a relatively high level and then we have a few guys here and there and everywhere else and do you do you discourage them from long cycle as well, or uh, or, or, or do you let them do it despite your personal your own personal disdain for long cycle? It's kind of uh, you know most of them come in thinking that they're going to do long cycle or pentathlon or something else, and and eventually I whittle them down so that they just <laughs> <laughs> some of them you know there's, there's always a little bit of uh, um, you know backlash every now and again, so we so we let them do a little bit of long cycle. Tracy likes likes long cycles, so she uh, she looks after the long cycle. But yeah, uh, <laughs> no, and, and in all seriousness, though, when you get a new athlete, like how do you how do you um because this is something I, I struggle with myself sometimes because people will ask me, well, what should I do? Like what what lift what what lift do you think I should do, coach? And I'm like, well, I I, I like doing all of them, and I think that there's value in all of them. It's you know, but how do you, how do you go about assessing like what you think an athlete should like where you want to steer a, a a new lift a new lifter like when they ask you like what lift should what lift should I do? Uh, if 
they're like a brand new lifted and then obviously you're going to do everything a bit of everything um and work through and then see what they see what they're like and see what they they kind of uh, gravitate towards um i tend to find that that long cycle is like the, the hardest physically but it's it's almost the easiest to to get into because it's um, you can spread out the suffering. That's that's what I say. Like you can, because you can stop in the rack on the way up. You can rest yeah. overhead. You can you can stop on the way down if you need to, right? So yeah. you get to go with like, yeah, you're moving the weights further, but there's also you because of that, you do much fewer m- much fewer reps, and there's it's much easier to downregulate the pacing. Whereas like in jerk, there's nowhere to escape. Like you, you're once those bells start getting heavy and your hands start hurting or your feet start hurting or your shoulders are pumped or whatever, whatever it is, like, you know, check the list of things that start sucking once you're past, you know, minute four of jerk. And like, there's nowhere to go. Like there's nowhere to go. You're either overhead or you're in the rack. <laughs> and that's-, that's right. And, and I think so that, that's where um, the mobility comes in. I think. I think when people start getting those spot, if the mobility is not, you know, most people's mobility isn't what they need to do get about sport at yeah. the beginning. Um, and I think jerk, like you said, because there's nowhere to hide, you know, if, if you're in that position, everything's hurting. If you're overhead, everything's hurting. You know, where long cycle, that, that clean, just kind of just get that little bit of relief in the arms, in the swing. Even though it's harder work, it's like that relief, uh, like you say, kind of sh- shares out the pain. So um, I think, you know, from a, from, a, from a beginner's point of view, long cycle, you, you kind of push them into that and then see, see how they go. Yeah, I, that's a that's a really good. I I didn't think about the mobility the mobility component of it, but I've always thought about it from the work capacity component or the 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 amount of reps that you have to put out. You know, to be competitive in long cycle is much lower. But you're right there. Be, there is also a lower barrier of entry as far as mobility, especially compared to jerk. And then snatch is just so technical that like, it's not, yeah. it's not the best, it's not the best lift to start anybody on unless they already come to you with some snatch training. And then it's, yeah. then it's a matter of correcting bad yeah. habits or. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, from, from the snatch point of view, I like to get people just swinging the bells and just doing single arm cleans and things like that to start off with. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is very technical and, you know, there's a lot of things going on with snatch so it does take a it seems to take forever to to learn as i know (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've 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 been at it for uh you know roughly 12 years and i i feel like i'm probably gonna master it in like another 20 or so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> give, me, give me another 20, 30 years, and I'll, I think I'll, I think I'll have it. Uh, I think, I think by then it'll my tech, my technique will be good enough. Like. Calling all kettlebell dringer, you honorable warriors and wielders of the steel. The time has come to raid. Join us and fight for honor glory and the spoils of battle sign up today for the twin cities kettlebell open on october 22nd in person in little canada minnesota or by video submission from anywhere in the world come fight for your clan or for glory all your own to be told in your saga claim your spoils and may your name ring out forever in the hall of champions sign up today at twincitieskettlebellclub.com Yeah, it's such a it's such a fickle fickle lift, but I, I do I do love it. That is one of those. Uh, it's fun when it, it's fun when it's going well. When it's going well and you hit your groove, like there's nothing quite as sweet as like a nice smooth snatch set. But there's also some days where it's just like, 
whose hand is this? Whose bell is this? I don't, I don't know. What there's, there's, there's definitely that. It either goes really well or, or really badly. It, yeah. uh, you can't, you can't um, you know, if I'm doing a jerk set and, and you were into trouble, it's like you could almost reach that and, and, and fix it. Whereas snatch, it's like by the time you realize that it's not going well, there's no way of getting it back. And, yeah. uh, it's too late it's too late and and the high level snatch people are going at you know 24 rpms for the entire 20 minutes so if you if you fall off of your pace good luck you're not going to (laughs) win you know you're certainly not going to win but you know uh, that's for the people that are good enough to compete to win i just try and you know do my do my my personal best uh it's me versus myself on the platform almost every time i step out there so um you're you're pretty accomplished yourself. Like what, what are your, what are your highest uh, ranks achieved in, in biathlon? Like you, you, you work with the professional weights a lot of times. I know you sometimes step down to the 28s and the 24s just to give yourself a break. Uh, You've done the 32s. Okay. I've, I've done 32s. Um, but most of my work is on, is, is at 24. So uh, I have my, I have a, a little personal record sheet here somewhere. So for, um, for jerks, on 32s, uh, 64, I think it's, or 68 is, is my is my PB, but it's hard going. The 32s are really hard. Um, 24s are my, my PB. In fact, I did a competition last week, uh, the Middlestrup competition, uh, and I got equal, equaled my PB on 24s on that, so that was 146. I watched that set. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I was there. I was there uh, in, in Canada like watching, it. watching you lift on, on the, on the screen. Uh, in, in- yeah, that, was a, that was a tough set. And uh, again, you, you'll, you'll see on there, but it's like I set off, well, I set off relatively fast, but then I tried to increase the pace through the, through the set. And uh, by the time I, I think I, in the last minute, I was about 17 or 18 reps in the last minute and I was spent. Yeah, you know, but, uh, my, my my target for the for the twenty fours is one hundred and fifty reps. Okay. I've hit one hundred and forty six twice now, so I'm I'm getting close. You're getting there. You're getting there. And how and how about snatch? Like, um, do you do you do you tend to focus on jerk because it, like most of your effort on jerk because it's more point like in competition. I mean, not in training. Um, uh, because because you know it's more points. Do you focus more on putting more of your uh, energy system expenditure into into jerk and then really just try and use technique for for snatch or do you try and like save some in the tank for for snatch i never save any in the tank <laughs> there's never anything in the tank and i'm usually just sat in a corner crying for half an hour and, and trying to to get some kind of feeling back in my arms before uh, before the snatch set so it's uh I was curious. I was curious about that because you looked so spent after jerk, and and that is one of those things that I'm I'm trying to uh, decide for myself when I coach athletes if they're when if they're just doing biathlon. I'm like, should I have them just sell out on jerk and like really focus on that, or should I have them like save a little bit so that they don't completely bonk on snatch? But you're telling me make if you're, if you're not in the corner crying on after your jerk set, you didn't go hard enough. Yeah, exactly. Well, the thing is, I, I, the way I see it's uh, like you say, you know, it's it's a double points for, for jerk. So um, I, I might as well I might as well get as many points as possible with a jerk, and then see what I've got left for the snatch. Yeah. And what what's your what's your approach on pacing and snatch? Do you try and do the same thing where you come out where you come out at a solid pace, but then try and accelerate as you get towards towards the end of your of your hand switch, or do you or do you just try and stay steady? So, so for, for snatch, my right hand is, is much better than my left hand usually. So I, I, try and, I try and find a pace, like straight out of the blocks, I, I want to be at the pace that I want to go at. Um, it's, almost, it's almost opposite of, of jerk. So jerk, I'll start off. I, I always, 
when I do jerk, the first kind of five or six seconds, as soon as I clean the bells up, I have a bit of a pause, a bit of a kind of gather my thoughts and then set off. So my first minute is always at least one or two reps down on, on my second or third minute. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, once I get to five minutes, I try, I try and get through the first five minutes controlled and nice and easy and then you know see how i'm feeling now i can start to to, to widen yeah. yeah whereas snatch is like i try and get a, a rhythm straight out of the blocks so for me at the minute i'm looking at like 17 18 reps a minute on on 24s for snatch uh and then try to hold that as long as possible you just try and metronome it the whole way and just just keep it nice and yeah. steady yeah. steady the whole way and and what tends to happen is uh i try i try to to get as far as I can get with my, with my good arm. So I start on my right arm and get as far as I can possibly get uh, and then switch to my left. And depending on, on when that time is, uh, that'll dictate my speed that I'll set up on my left. So mm -hmm. on, a, on a good day, uh, I can get to maybe seven minutes on my, on my right. Yeah. Uh, so that only leaves me three minutes left. So now I can go at Yeah, that's that. And that is a, uh, I would say a philosophical debate that I, that, that I see among coaches and athletes, right. Where it's like, should you start on your non-dominant hand and have that dictate? Um, you know, because, uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, I'm always like, I, I always start with my non-dominant. My, my logic behind it is if I can hit five minutes at a solid pace with my non-dominant hand and make the switch, I know I'm in a position to hit my target when I switch to my good hand. And if I come out and I'm in trouble with my, with my non-dominant hand, I know that my, my dominant hand is, can carry the water right like i i know like i know i know my left hand can't carry the water so if i if i've already if my right hand for whatever reason is is struggling that day or the pace i can't make the pace that i thought i could and then i have to switch to my non-nominant hand to to pick it up that that set is shit like that's just a shit yeah. set because if i had to switch before i planned with my right hand um you know and i i try and stay i also try and stay balanced as much just as much as i can just for me, cause I have so many old injuries and things like that. Like the idea of, of per, you know, having seven minutes on one hand and three on the other, like, it just, I don't know. I mentally, I can't, I can't get there, but I see the, like, I can see the, the validity to either approach. I just, for me personally, like, I'm just, I just start with, I start with my non-dominant and that's how I coach. That's how I coach most of my athletes to go about yeah. it. I, I've tried, I've tried doing that. Um, but for me, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't end well. Uh, maybe because <laughs> So what happens if, if I start with my right hand, it's like I can get I can get everything into a groove early on. So I, I can get the swing nice and smooth, I can get the breathing nice and smooth. So then when I get to change, I, I'm not as tired. If I start with my left hand, it's harder work for me. So, I, so I'm working harder. Yeah. I, even if I get to five minutes, I'm I'm more knackered than what I would be if I'd have yeah. done my right hand. So you've taxed you've taxed your energy systems more, your heart rate's higher. Like yeah. I, I can I can I can definitely see that. Yeah, so so then it's harder for me then to to go with my right hand because I'm already knackered. So so uh, and what you're supposed to do if you just do the Denisov, you pick up a 32 with your right hand, you do 10 minutes, and then you set it down, take a bow, and then you like rest for 15 minutes, and then you come back and do 10 minutes with your left hand <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, saw him do that. I saw him do that in Chicago. I don't remember the year. I want to say it was like 2017 or 2016, and it was just like. I was still pretty, pretty, pretty new in the competition scene at that, at that point, you know, I'd only been competing for a couple of years and I'd never seen anybody like Denisov compete. Like uh, I'd seen Denis Vasiliev. So I guess I had seen somebody, but, uh, but I'd never seen anybody do 10 minutes with one hand on the 32. And I was like, yeah, my mind exploded. I was like, that isn't, and he did like, like 227 reps with his right hand and then went and rested for 15 minutes and drank some Gatorade and then came back and did like, 215 with his left it was just 
I like I was just so my I was just so mind blown. I was like, these Russians are playing a different game than us. Like they're, oh, they're, they're, they're a different level, aren't they? Yeah, it's I mean, I you know, I and Dennis, I was obviously, he's one of the, one of the greats of all time. So, you know, it's, but it's still, it just, it just blows my mind when I see, when I see guys like that, that can, that can do that kind of, that kind of output in such a, in such a short period of time. It's uh, it's very, it's very crazy. So anyways, um, one, well, a couple more questions and then I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you get, get on with your, get on with your Sunday night. But uh, so a lot of people don't don't know like i just recently learned that uh you you have uh you're making the medal you made the medals for the riddle struck competition um you're you're going to be doing the medals for the the twin cities kettlebell open so um is that is that your is that your main business and training is a side hustle or is train is that a side hustle to to your training business or like that's, another, that's just another side hustle <laughs> another side hustle okay <laughs> so that that kind of came about because uh I started, uh, I ran a few competitions in the UK, uh, ran the English Championships and British Championships and I needed medals, so it's like, okay, well, I'll sort the medals out. Um, and then me and another guy, uh, Dave Moore, we, we set up a thing called the, the Grassroots Kettlebell League, which uh, we travelled all around the UK doing like five-minute competitions, smaller competitions. Oh, nice. Like, like entry-level ones, where, and we kind of created a system where everyone could compete there was like a point system based on the on the bell weight, so that people could compete with a single bell or you know intermediate sized bells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just coefficient coefficient based based on whatever. Well, we didn't. What we did was we didn't have any. We didn't have any weigh-ins at all. We completely cut out the the weight classes. Oh, okay. Because for, for one of the things, it's like when when you first start kettlebell sport, um, I think it's it's almost regardless of, of weight. You know, the, the weight doesn't come into it. There's a big argument about how much weight comes into it, even at, at higher levels. You know, you look if you look at the top cushions, the difference between the lightest guys and the heaviest guys isn't isn't that much. It's a bit, but it's not it's not as much as you think. Yeah. Um, when you like, if you turn up for a competition, sometimes it can be a barrier to entry if, if you've got to weigh in if, and you've got to do this whole weigh in thing. And also, like, if you know, I'm not a little guy. So, so, Me either. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so for, and never also, not been a heavyweight. <laughs> Yeah, and for a lot of people, it's like if you if you come to a competition and, and you know it's a coefficient, it's like there's, there's no way you're going to enter because you know you can't get anywhere you can't get anywhere near it. Whereas if it's just an open competition, um, it doesn't really matter. You can compete against lighter guys or heavier guys, uh, and it's and you know for, for, for our point of view, it was all about having having the fun and, and kind of and competing on the on the reps and the things rather than competing just on a on a bodyweight class. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You're you're making it. You're lowering lowering the barrier of entry for people that so it's less scary. Yeah. It's just it's just exactly. we, were trying to, we were trying to take out obstacles, you know. Because yeah. when you first get in, it's like, oh well, you know, you get people who who don't want to weigh in at a competition, especially if they've got to tell everyone else to wait or got it, you know, if it's getting posted up, people don't always want that. So if you can do a competition where there is no weight and it's like you just compete regardless, you know, people love that. So so uh, so we did a heap of those um for about three years. Uh all over the place and, and we got a lot of people into kettlebell sport and that was fantastic and, and again so we did I, I started out the medals for those and, and we did different different bits and pieces um and then people started other people were winning competitions and saying well can you sort the medals out and i was like yeah no problem i'll sort that out for you um and then it kind of just grew from there so okay. and then of course when everyone started doing um uh, like the zoom comps like what, what you're doing and, and things like that and the american ones and canadian 
Canada. Uh, Canada. I love it. <laughs> it's Kanukistan, actually. I was just up there. They prefer Kanukistan. Do they? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, I just started doing doing more and more medals, and, and I started to try and do, uh, you know, because you, you go to a lot of competitions, and, and the medals are, are pretty abysmal, really. So yeah, a lot of them are just cheap cheap like plastic with a sticker on top of it and you're yeah. like okay great thanks for this yeah and it's like you know i want to make, I want to make some awesome medals, some, some really like cool things yeah we just started getting getting more and more creative with the with the metal design and the, and the metal i mean I, honestly like like steve steve and matt showed me your the medals for their competition and i was like all right who did those because <laughs> like one of the reasons i didn't do medals for my first you know this is only the second year that i'm doing it you know but, but the one of the reasons i didn't do it last year is i was just like i bet like like you get these medals at these places and they suck and like nobody ca really cares and like you get a participant like i've got so many like gold medal for just being the the only fat guy that registered like i'm the only heavyweight that registered for all three lifts so i got three gold medals so i'm like okay great thanks i have more to throw on my wall of my wall of participation medals that are gold colored because i was the only one who registered you know so, so i was like you know i was just like it yeah you know it just wasn't it just didn't seem worth it. and then i saw those medals and i was like these are awesome <laughs> like who did these and there was like oh chris chris from kettlebell sport hang on i was like really i didn't know he made medals and i was like okay i gotta i gotta do something and uh well well you guys will see they're they're pretty they're pretty badass what chris has come up with is uh yeah, 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 pretty badass cool. they're gonna they're gonna be pretty sweet so and there'll be yeah. there'll be medals for everyone who participates and then there will be only only three people will walk away with a gold silver or bronze so um i i'm pretty i'm pretty stoked about that so that's awesome. Yeah. I pre I really, I really appreciate it. Um, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to ask the the last question. I'll, I, you know, and I've got people that tell me, you sh I shouldn't say this, but uh, I'm going to be respectful of your time. They want me to just keep people talking as long, as long as they're willing to talk. <laughs> I, don't mind. I, all day. <laughs> I, I try, I try, I try and keep it, uh, I try and keep it respectful of, uh, you know, cause I know people have lives that they got lives and wives and kids and significant others, you know, so I try and keep it uh, somewhat short. So, um, if you were if you were to go back to the start and and you could give yourself one piece of advice uh, when you were starting your kettlebell sport journey, what would that piece of advice that you would give to to Chris Guile circa you know two thousand nine? Ooh, that's a tough question, isn't it? So, uh, what advice would I give myself? Maybe uh, pay more attention. <laughs> <laughs> pay more attention to what? To, to everything. <laughs> 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 okay what what uh what what makes you say that I'm, I'm curious like what what do you what do you what do you mean when you say that uh i think because you know whenever you do any sport it's like you come into a sport especially if you've come from another sport you kind of come in there and it's like yeah i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna smash that out of it and then you, know, you realize after after several weeks or months that really you didn't know anywhere near as much as what you thought you did so if you listen a little bit more at the start when everyone's like telling you you should do this that's what you should have done. <laughs> ah, that Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah, <laughs> you get that yeah. like, oh, I know, I know so much, and then you get into it. You're like, oh shit, I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is the thing. I mean, it kind of applies to almost every sport, but but kettlebell sports especially because you know you look at it and you think, ah, oh, that can't be that hard. And then uh, someone gives you two kettlebells and you try to for ten minutes, and you're like, oh, this yeah. is, this is <laughs> what, what am I doing wrong? What's what's going on here? And uh, you know, it's, it's much harder than they made it look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What about, what about for, for your new lifters? Like what, what, what advice do you give to your new lifters when they start? Is there like a, is there like a standard set of, of advice that you give to, to most people or a few pieces of advice? 
I don't think there's a kind of a standard set. I think that the, the biggest thing is to, to enjoy it. You know, you, you've got to have fun and you've got to enjoy it. And if you know, don't turn it into a chore. If, you, if, you, if you're forcing yourself to lift, you know, if, if, and if you set yourself unrealistic targets or targets where it's like, right, I want to get to here, and, and like that's a solid target, I've got a trade, I've got to do this, then it takes all the fun out of it. You know, for me, it's like it's like with the competitions. I enter, I enter hundreds of competitions, almost every competition going, I'll enter it. Um, and sometimes I'll train specifically for them, and sometimes I'll just throw them in just for fun. Um, but it's like, uh, you know, don't take yourself too seriously and, and, and have, a, have a laugh with it, you know. Train, train really hard, but, yeah. um, you know, you've got, to, you've got to enjoy it. You've got to enjoy it. And, and that's one of the things that I really, that I really love about sports, but, you know, with the, with the whole community that we've got as Cowbell Sport, you know, you can go to a, anything from a, you know, a small competition, when there's a few guys, to an international competition, and everybody's super helpful and helping people out and supporting you. Um, and that's what I really love about about the sport. You know, you can be sat there on the platform lifting. And I've been up there lifting next to Todd, and uh, you know we're, we're competing against each other. But if one guy puts the belt down, the other guy's cheering for him. You know, I'm, I'm cheering for him, or he's cheering for me. And, and like you said at the start, it's like you against you against the belts. That that's like our common enemy across the whole of the the, the kettlebell world. It's like everyone is against the belts. Everyone's got their own battle to go against the bells. You know, it might be that you're just against two or three other guys at the same time, but really it's you against the bells and, and everybody understands that. Um, and everyone's really supportive about it. So, so when I get new lifters in, it's like, yeah, enjoy it. Do make sure that you're, that you're having fun. Don't, don't pile pressure on yourself. Uh, and don't, don't put too many expectations up there. You know, just see how it goes. Enjoy the, enjoy the journey. It's a journey. It's not about the, the you know, the end point. Because there is no end point. It's like you know, you so you, so you've got to enjoy the journey. If you're not enjoying it, you know, there's no point doing it. Yeah, you're. Yeah, I love that so much. Uh, that's actually gonna. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm totally gonna steal that. I'm gonna put that in into. So like, I have my. I have my rules that I that I that I say to the to the team to my team. I'm like, and rule number one is is live to train tomorrow. Like, don't get hurt. We don't. We don't want. We never want to get injured in practice, right? Because you can't progress if you don't don't get injured. I think rule number two is gonna be have fun. Because yeah. I've honestly I've neglect I've I've neglected to like we make it fun and we have a good time, but I've neglected to uh, to codify that as part of our our ethos. And I like I love that so much like that is and i think you're one of the first people that's that's ever said that like just like make sure you keep it fun because if you're if you're in this game for any extended period of time like you got to be having fun with it or else it's yeah, yeah. well again that's the thing you know that, that's what's going to keep you coming back is the fact that you're, that you're enjoying it and you're enjoying the process you know if, yeah. you're, if you're chasing records or numbers or, <clears throat> or targets too much then um you know it comes to a point where you start questioning why am i doing this and yeah. as soon as asking yourself that question then you shouldn't be doing it anymore so on those and those are always short those are always short-lived that's the thing that i've i've come to the conclusion like when you when you get so like and i'm very type a i, I get the sense you're probably the same way where like you, you you have those targets but then as a certain point when you as you as you get older you realize like all, all then you do is then you just go okay i got that goal what's next what's next and you never really enjoy you never really enjoy that achievement and if that's the point then then like you're setting yourself up for for failure and you're not going to be long-term successful if you don't just fall in love with the process or fall in love with some other reason why you train right and that that's uh, uh you know i i had that I, I definitely had that as a young lifter where i was like i, I want to get to master of sport i'm still not yeah. there <laughs> you know still haven't, still haven't hit master of sport if you if you're really kind of having fun with it then then those things come naturally do you know what i mean it's like you're having fun and you kind of you reach those milestones and those uh, those targets and 
you know, it's kind of like you, 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 just gonna breeze through them and move on to the next one yeah well and even like i'm i've i've come to grip like i'm i've become comfortable like even if i never hit master of sport like if i can still lift if i can still lift you know uh, 20 kilo kettlebells when i'm when i'm 80 years old i'm gonna be fucking happy right like or even 16s right like like so like if it, if it serves some other greater purpose for for well-being in my life like whether or not i hit master of sport like you know very few people are going to give a shit about that you know yeah, yeah. you know like, it's like what you said on your your kind of rule number one there. You know, it's rule number one is is, is uh, you know don't don't get injured or don't don't train to that capacity where you're potentially going to get injured. And and I I'm a big fan of that. You know, most of my workouts are uh, uh, you know maybe sixty percent effort. I, I don't. It's not very often that I'm training to my max effort because you know I'm training six seven days a week. Sometimes two days two two times a day. So you know if I if I put a huge effort in, you know after we did that uh, the middle stroke. The weekend that was wiped out for, for a couple of days. I did on the same day. I don't know if you know, but I did a. I, I put myself down to do um, uh, a half marathon event that I forgot about. And the last, the last day, the last day to do the video submission was on was on the same day as, as the little stroke competition. Oh, how'd that go? So I did. So basically, I'd done 146 jerks, uh, and then about an hour later, I'd done 153 snatches. And then 10 minutes after that, I did half an hour and 28 kilo single belt per jerk. Oh. Did about four hundred and something reps on that, so I was I was wiped out after that. So. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's that's a, that's a big that's a big uh, omission from 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 the brain there for getting that you signed yourself yeah. for that. I just I just had my my original like OG my my OG member of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club. We we had to he's in a he was doing a full marathon set for IKMF. He's trying he's trying to qualify for IKMF, but he's he's in his he's he's in his uh, in his sixties, so he's veteran three. But he came here to to do it, and like fifteen minutes into his set, his phone stopped working because he didn't realize oh, he, he was out of memory. And so and so he had done he had done like one hundred and fifty three reps, I think. And we're like we're like, well, shit, what do we do now? And I was like, well, you can rest for a while, and we can go, we can give it another go, or we can come back tomorrow. I was like, I recommend you come back tomorrow because tomorrow's the deadline for submission. And so he took the he took the took the night off, and then came back and and knocked it out yesterday. And and he did he did six hundred and twenty eight reps. I think, uh, and made, made it the full 60, but at, at the end he was like, you know, getting, getting sick. And I was like, it's like, man, eh, those, those 153 reps you did yesterday are coming back to bite you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's crazy. A lot, of, that's a lot of work in a, in a single, in a single day. Um, those marathon and half marathon sets are, ugh, they're, they're, they're kind of fun, but also kind of not. So. Yeah. Really, I, I don't do them often because they do get in a little bit in the way of your regular training, you know. It's, it wipes me out for a couple of days if I, you know, if you put a, if you put a big set in, it takes a bit of uh, recovery from. Yeah, honestly, like if you're going to be a half marathon person, that should be the focus of your training. If you're going to be a marathon person, that should be the focus of your training. If you're going to be a 10 minute person, like, shouldn't really fuck about with the, the half marathon and marathon sets very often. Like that should just be a, a fun thing for charity or to keep your, you know, to keep your training fresh or something. But yeah, I, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't recommend anybody to do it very often if you're mostly focused on 10 minute sets. So, well, yeah. Chris, I want to, I want to thank you very much for taking the time. This is a, this is a great, great time. How do people, uh, how do people find you? How do they follow you on social media? How do they contact you if they want medals or, or anything like that? Like how do, how do people get at you? Uh, the best way really is is um, look up the kettlebells for hang up uh, hang out either on the Facebook group or Instagram um, or just private message me if, if you want any of the details on um, uh, coaching or training or medals or anything like that. Awesome. Uh, 
just messenger on Facebook messenger works, works pretty well for me. Awesome. I'll, I'll put that and I'll put those links in the episode notes so people can, people can harass you. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you tell you to go do some long cycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris. Thank you so much, man. Have a great rest of your evening and uh, we'll talk soon, brother. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks so much. Cheers, mate. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. We'll be back with a new episode soon. Please be sure to leave a rating and review of the Platform Podcast in your app of choice. Support our work by supporting our affiliates. And of course, if you have questions or you want help reaching your goals, reach out to me. Till next time. Thanks for listening.